get the meaning behind the numbers, and more. This is TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050, the voice of hockey. Nylander with a shot in traffic, big rebound! To the line is somehow kept out, it's kicked out by Vasilevsky! It's a lead pass from Drysaddle, McDavid will pick it up, the net is empty, McDavid taps it home, and this one is over! Connor McDavid, second of the game! Crosby wins the draw, comes over on a tang of shot, he gets through a lock, and falls between his pads, and the Penguins have regained the lead! Four to three, go ahead, make my day! <laughs> Welcome, baby. Welcome. TSN Hockey Analytics. We're rolling here in TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara on Twitter, the show at TSN Analytics, myself at AndyMC81. We are delivered by Domino's. Go grab yourself a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Side dishes, people. Trust me, the pasta, the boneless chicken, the marbled cookie brownie for dessert. Check out all the great deals this weekend at Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. And joining me on the Domino's delivery line this week, Travis Yost from TSN.ca, Sean Tierney of Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, NHL.com fantasy analyst James Harding, and the return of one of the founding fathers of TSN Hockey Analytics. Yes, The Athletic Scott Cullen with the best and worst of the week. Well, let's kick it off in his usual leadoff spot. Travis Yost of TSN.ca. Travis, hello. I heard every part of your intro, but most notably the marble cookie brownie yes. from Domino. I, I have not tried this. Oh. Have, have we tried this? Is it good? Oh, dude, it, it is great. You can have it warm. You can have it cold. You can have it reheated in the oven. It is it is a must after the after the pizza. It's solid. Dude. All right, we got to jump on a call with Domino's, right? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> we'll order it. We'll order it for you. We'll get a ride to order it while uh, while we're talking here. Sounds good. <laughs> Travis, let's start with on TSN.ca. You wrote about the truly historic season that Alexander Barkov is having. Not only does he not have a single penalty, he's drawing them at a great rate. And that puts him as one of the all-time leaders when it comes to penalty differential. So why is penalty differential important? And why is Barkov's season so historically significant? Oh, man. So the, this is my favorite stat of the, my single favorite stat of the 2018-19 season. And it, I do not believe it is broken uh, yet since the time of writing that piece, which was Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, but long story short, uh, Alex Barkov has not taken a single penalty, and we are, what, 35% of the regular season in now? That's crazy. Uh, that, that's obviously super impressive. That has been done in the past. I think there's been six or seven regular skaters in NHL history who have finished an entire year with zero penalty minutes. Um, no one recently, of course, and uh, Barkov has a, at least a shot, maybe not a great shot, but a shot at joining those very illustrious ranks. But it, it's not just that he is unbelievably disciplined, right? It's also that he, far and away, also draws the most penalties in the league. And it, I have never, for as long as I've been looking at any any statistical measure, I've never seen a player so dominant relative to his peers on both ends, whether it's on the discipline front, the fact that he hasn't taken a single penalty, or the fact that he had, at the time of writing that post, he had drawn six more penalties than some of the best penalty draw guys in the entire National Hockey League. So it's at the time of the post, he was he had drawn already 22 penalties for Florida while taking zero against. So Jeez. if you kind of put, and more to your second question, if you kind of put that in perspective of, okay, why is this important? Why should I care? Well, number one, penalty differential is a repeatable talent. So players that do, players that more frequently draw more penalties than they take will continue to do so in future seasons. It's a talent. 
Um, but more notably at the team level, if you think about it, every incremental penalty I draw, I give my team roughly a one in five chance of scoring a goal, right? So we can, we can multiply that out quickly and, believe, and, and argue that Florida is already about five goals uh, better on just Alex Barkov's ability to draw penalties. And, of course, he's avoided taking a single penalty. You're talking about Alex Barkov having already added probably a single win uh, to Florida in the standings on nothing else but his ability <laughs> to draw penalties. That's and crazy. I know it sounds like, oh, it's just one win. That, that's pretty massive in the grand scheme of how many components drive success at the NHL level. So um, he is, he is uh, the, the last race that will be worth watching is Oof. can he chase down the best penalty differential in the modern era? And that, that is going to be a, a, a tough, uh, a, a tough uh, mile marker to clear. And it's because Dustin Brown in 2008, if anyone remembers this, he drew so many penalties that season that he was so far above everyone else, um, both in that year and really in the last 10 years since. And keep in mind, this was in that 2008-2009 window where power plays were being allocated much more frequently than they are now. Um, but he ended the year like plus 60 on penalty differential. Oh. And right now, Barkov, I believe, is like plus 24-ish. Um, so it's, it's, it's going to be a, a, a tough uh, item to try and catch here for Barkov. However, that is the last fascinating race for me. Can he finish with the best penalty differential, uh, in, at least in the modern era, if not ever? That that is going to be a cool. That's a cool stat and and something to follow. Wow, uh, Travis. Let's get to one of your other articles on TSN.ca uh, about score effects. Basically, it means how teams play when they are behind or ahead on the scoreboard. And in the article, you outlined some fascinating stats about shot. Share have to be careful how I say that on the road and home teams when they're leading in the game. Can you explain the difference between the two and why you think there's a disparity in the numbers? Yeah, so fascinating statistical phenomenon that I I don't really have a full conclusion of, and of course the readers had a lot of really interesting theories, and I'm not I'm not sure what's right, but uh, if if we think about how a hockey game is played, and we had two great examples of this yesterday, by the way, beautiful segue. Um, anyone who saw the Rangers game or the Knights-Devils game uh, last night saw teams get out to early leads only to watch them erode with time. Vegas actually was up, I think, 3 nothing and 4-1 and ended up losing that game in overtime to New Jersey. But we, we know, generally speaking, that teams with leads play more conservatively and teams chasing the game play more aggressively, which makes intuitive sense. And when teams are playing from behind, let's say, um, for, for a long stretch of the game, they're generally going to compile much more shots and scoring chances than their opponent. That's just because teams are starting to play towards the scoreboard and the, sh- and the time clock, right? It's, it's really weird, though. This year, we have a little bit of an interesting phenomena in which home teams have been able to mitigate to some degree the, the degradation, I guess, in performance in really the final 10 minutes of a hockey game. So where home teams with leads used to be shelled on the shot clock almost mercilessly, um, we're not seeing that entirely. We're seeing those teams still outshot now chance to a, to, to a substantial degree, but not nearly what it looked like years ago. And one of the things I've gotten curious about is our coaches, especially with last change on home ice, and knowing full well the importance of the ability to you know score that empty net goal um, and keep pushing play maybe more generally – to, to provide relief to their goaltenders and their blue line, is there something that teams are doing at home um, that is helping to mitigate some of that effect? 
And the interesting, the interesting dichotomy, I guess, between the two is that we haven't seen that exist at all on the road. So teams with leads on the road are still getting absolutely hammered in third period. Mm. That, that is still as true today as it was yesterday. It's just not the same as it is anymore on home ice, which, which I think is really fascinating because there's no clear smoking gun as to what any one individual team changed. And, and again, we still see some degradation, but not, it's just not nearly to the same degree um, that it once was. And I do wonder if teams are starting to get sharper, um, as, at least as it relates to, hey, the defensive, let's shell into the defensive zone and just try and block shots for 10, 15 minutes um, and just hope that our goaltender can bail us out. Like That, that strategy is pretty, pretty exhausted. I, I think people realize that that is not optimal hockey strategy, even though we still see it intermittently. So I think, I think teams and especially coaching staffs have really tried to emphasize how they can potentially influence that. It's just the question is why only on home ice are we starting to see results? In conversation with Travis Yost of TSN.ca on Twitter, at Travis Yost. Let's go to the Tampa Bay Lightning here, Travis. Man, won eight straight games, seven of them without their top goaltender, Andre Vasilevsky. They have a plus 42. Like, you have to double-check that number. Plus 42 goal differential this season. Travis, what is making this Tampa Bay Lightning team so damn good? It's crazy. You know what I have to say? I think we underrated their blue line. Yeah, I, I, I think so. There, if, and we're talking, again, we, we, when, I think we should caveat this every time or maybe just down on the opener of the show every time. When we talk critically about teams like Tampa Bay and Toronto and Nashville and Winnipeg, it's under the prism of this is a Stanley Cup caliber team, so we need to be nitpicky. <laughs> um, but I, I think that the general consensus is where Tampa Bay was relatively weak was on their blue line. Um, maybe not to the degree that Toronto is experiencing with you know, the talent disparity between their forward rank and their defensive ranks, but still the, their, their defensive core didn't look as appetizing. You have the Victor Hedman pairing, which is sensational. They, they made a trade for Ryan McDonough. It was a, I don't want to say a buy low, but Ryan McDonough's stock had dropped a little bit, a lot of miles on that body. They went out and get Dan Girardi, which I thought was like putting a, you know, a square peg in a round hole for the way that team plays. But almost all of these guys have integrated seamlessly, and it seems like they can put pretty much any pairing on the ice at any point in time and look relatively comfortable. I don't think they're getting Nashville-style results from their blue line, but they certainly are pulling their own weight, and that's really all they need because there's not a forward group in the National Hockey League, including your favorite team, whatever team that is, I, I don't see any team that can punch the same way Tampa Bay can in their forward ranks. They are too deep. They are too talented. Too many individual shooters that are so, so unbelievably good at finding the back of the net. There's so much puck movement in the offensive zone. Um, and, 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 again, even when they go through weird slumps in, in the, over the course of the season, we've seen this for almost three years now, they have so much shooting talent in the lineup that they can bail themselves out. I mean, we see this to, to some degree with Winnipeg and Toronto as well. Uh, but it, it, this is the scary part. If you're an Eastern Conference contender or more generally, you know, ha- have your eyes on the Stanley Cup. Tampa Bay was supposed to be this deep forward team with one really solid pairing that maybe you could take a bite at um, when their depth players were on the ice. We're just, we're just not seeing um, that, that degree of weakness that we, that we perceived we would have on this Tampa Bay lineup. And quite frankly, it's made them, a, the, in my opinion, the undisputed uh, top team in the NHL. And, you know, we're, we're, I'm usually hesitant to say that because of how, not only how much parity is in the league, 
Um, but how hard it is to gauge the difference between the best and second best or third best teams. But right now, I think it's Tampa Bay and everyone else. And I, I think you kind of cited to the reasons, uh, it, you know, a plus 42 goal oh, differential. I mean, that's gross. at this point in the year, that's, that is <laughs> sickening. It really is. I'm with you, Travis. It is the Lightning and everybody else. Great stuff as always, buddy. Let's do it again next week. I mean, think about this. this I have to end on this. Think about this. They're plus 42. That means on average, not in wins, their average game sees them winning by more than a goal. I Just put that in perspective yeah. for a moment. Well, and think about the, the next best team goal differential is the Winnipeg Jets at plus 26. Yeah, that, no one's close. It's, it's so ridiculous. And I, I can't have 14 goals and with, with almost every team having played the same number of games. That is just ridiculous. That's nuts. That's nuts. Well, we'll, we'll they'll be fun to track. Uh, Travis, good stuff, man. Talk to you next week. All right. Take care, Andy. See ya. Travis Yost from tsn.ca gushing about the Tampa Bay Lightning and rightfully so man they are they are good uh we're going to take the break on the other side from uh hockey graphs and the athletic it is our good buddy Sean Tierney that's next on tsn hockey analytics looking to chow down during the big game well domino's has you covered feed that hunger with a large four topping pizza for just 12.99 but Domino's is more than just pizza. Add on side dishes like delicious pasta and boneless chicken. For dessert, you need to try the marbled cookie brownie. Whether you're watching sports with friends, need a fresh, quick meal for the family, or just because, make it a Domino's night. Order now at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. Welcome back to TSN Hockey Analytics. We're rolling along here on TSN 1050, Toronto, tsn1050.ca, the iHeartRadio app. If you miss any of the show or want to go back and listen again, you can subscribe and rate us on iTunes, on the iHeartRadio app, the tsn1050.ca show page, and we tweet out the links from at TSN Analytics on Twitter and myself at AndyMC81. We're delivered by Domino's, people. You know it. How about the Piece of the Pie Rewards program? You just go to dominoes.ca. Sign up, it's free, Piece of the Pie Rewards, and every $10 you spent on an order, on pizza, on marbled cookie brownie, on boneless chip, whatever, every $10 spent on an order, you get 10 points. Every 60 points, you get a free pizza. It's perfect. Piece of the Pie Rewards, and get yourself some Domino's this weekend at dominoes.ca. Let's go to the Domino's delivery line. Our buddy from Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, it's Sean Tierney. Sean, how's it going, bud? Doing well, Andy. How are you? I am doing well. Also, I want to get to this. And for people, again, I say it every time you're on the show, you got to be following you at Charting Hockey because the charts you put out and you work on Hockey Graphs and The Athletic, it's so good. You tweeted out a chart about the Colorado Avalanche and their top line, all the shots that they've taken this season with the combination of Ratton and McKinnon and Landiscock being deadly. And you say they are a terrifying line. What makes them so dangerous? Yeah, that's been a very interesting group for Colorado this year. I think that the three of them have really found some synergy. They kind of can bring uh, a little bit of every kind of shot attempt at you. Their rolling XG, their expected goals average this season has been really strong. They generate between the three of them between about 1 and 1.5 expected goals per game. That's really, really good. Um, and then, you know, between them, they have about 35 expected goals, and they've been fortunate to convert even more than we'd expect. They're around 51 goals as a trio. You'd have a very hard time finding any other top line in the league that can compare with this line offensively. 
the problem for Colorado has been that Landeskog, Ranton, and McKinnon is basically the whole show in town. When those three aren't on the ice, the team is a dull or bad team in terms of shot rates. They really don't have any depth or scoring to bring after those three. But, yeah, that trio is really, really terrifying. They can kind of bring it all over the ice, all over the offensive zone. And, you know, they've been really successful so far this year. Whether or not uh, Rantanen can stay up at the top of the scoring race remains to be seen. But, you know, so far, so good. And let's move on to Miko Koskinen and his career renaissance, his resurgence under Ken Hitchcock. What do you think is the reason for his turnaround? And do you think it's sustainable? I don't. I think Koskinen was one who got some attention, at least from the sort of hockey stats community in the summer, as a real strange gamble on the part of Chiarelli to bring in. And so far it's panned out well. And, and, you know, it's sort of a hashtag goalies are voodoo kind of thing where it's really difficult sometimes to project based on the stats we have what a goalie's likely to do year to year. So far, you know, Koskinen's looked really good. And, and Edmonton's underlying stats, both under McClellan and, you know, since under Hitchcock, they've been a team that generates more quality for than they give up. So uh, they've been a good team sort of under the hood in that way. Koskinen's faced about 41, 42 expected goals all situations so far, and he's given up 33 goals. You know, that's, that's really good. He saved about eight or nine maybe goals more than what we'd expect based on the workload that he's had. Uh, it's a really good start for him. Uh, but what I would say is I think Edmonton's done a really nice job in front of him. Uh, they allow maybe 2.5 expected goals against per game. That's maybe middle of the road, a little bit towards the upper end of the average. But they haven't made Koskinen really work hard for it. And he's had a really good half a season for them. I don't expect him to keep it up. The pedigree, the history uh, behind him isn't there. He's much more like a backup goalie and maybe not even a strong backup goalie. But, you know, for Oilers fans, he'll take some stability in net right now. <laughs> With goalies or voodoo, who knows? Maybe he keeps it up for a whole season. Yeah, we've seen stranger things in conversation with Sean Tierney of Hockeygrass and The Athletic on Twitter at Charting Hockey. Let's go to the Maple Leafs. And you've also talked about how Freddie Anderson has been great overall this season. He did have a dud against Tampa Bay the other night, but that, you know, you're allowed to stinker once in a while, still having a good year. But he has faced a lot of shots this season. And I was thinking with, you know, Garrett Sparks coming in as the backup this year, maybe the workload would be alleviated a little bit. Do you think facing so many shots is going to haunt him later on? I think it really could. Anderson has been far and away the MVP, which is really saying something on a team that can trot out Matthews, Tavares, Marner, you know, Nylander's back in town now. Riley's been absolutely amazing this season. But Anderson has been the thing keeping the Leafs going. For a long time, the Leafs uh, have played the same way, which is really fast. They, they take a lot of shots. They're among the league leaders again in Corsi 4 per 60. But they give up a ton too. They're the pre, sort of preeminent fun team in the NHL where they're going to get their chances and they're going to give up a ton going the other way. Anderson has faced about 3.1 or so expected goals per game. It's one of the highest rates among goalies going. And he's already up to 1,200 unblocked shot attempts again so far this season, you know, which is right up there with John Gibson and Craig Anderson, sort of the top three in terms of workload. And he's been amazing. He's given up about 2.4 goals per game. He's saved for them about 15 goals more than what we would expect already this season, which is just incredible. And the work's been hard. So, like you said, I think if the Leafs really think that they're a playoff team that can make some noise and maybe get through the East, 
Anderson's going to need some breaks going forward. They're going to wear this guy down if they keep leaning on on him this heavily. If we know the Leafs like we do, they're going to keep playing fast like this, so they're going to need their backup to pick up some slack, or you know, Anderson's going to be panting by the time they're looking at round one. Yeah, and you want to try to avoid that. That was hopefully the point of bringing in a a Garrett Sparks this year. Uh, Sean, you also looked at teams and which players are under or overperforming when it comes to their current goal totals versus what their expected goal totals were. Can you give us a couple names that stood out to you when it comes to someone performing better or worse than expected? I think it's a really interesting stat to look at the goals versus expectation because there's, there's something in the expected goals that, Still needs some research. Uh, so Ovechkin, again, you know, he's got the back-to-back hat tricks going right now. He's the league leader in terms of goals above expectation. He's got his 28 goals, but he's only at about 14 expected goals. But I don't think anyone's surprised anymore that Ovechkin sort of overperforms the kind of shots he takes. When you're shooting from the left face-off dot, you're not talking about a super high-quality shot. This is something that Ovechkin's been doing for more than a decade, and it's the kind of shot that... He has the ability to score with. So when you're talking those elite snipers like an Ovechkin or maybe like a Patrick Lawney seems to be as well, who's second in, in the league in terms of overperforming XG, there might be that sort of you know top-notch elite sniper ability where you expect guys that are like an Ovi or like a Lawney who can shoot from further out and still expect to beat uh, the goaltender. Some of the other names that pop off the list, at the top in terms of overperforming would be Jeff Skinner, Braden Point, uh, Pedersen for Vancouver, you know, some of those names that have had really strong starts. Um, I don't count on some of those names to stick around overperforming just like that, not until we get more of a track record, but Ovi's going to be there. And Patrick Lane looks like he's the kind of legit sniper that should probably stick around in the top overperformers. If you flip the script and look at the underperformers, the guys who are lagging, the furthest behind the shots that they take, they should have more goals. You're basically talking Carolina Hurricanes. They dominate the bottom of the list. Jordan Stahl, Svechnikov, Lucas Walmark. They've got a number of names that have slumped right to the bottom. Their shooting percentage is just unbelievably low. I don't expect that to last. Some of these guys, especially Svechnikov, they're going to come around. They're going to get their goals if they keep taking the kind of quality shots that they are. Sean, great stuff as always, my friend. We'll do it again in a couple weeks. Thank you. Can't wait. Yeah, thank you. All right, there he goes, Sean Tierney from Hockey Graphs, from The Athletic. Follow him on Twitter, at Charting Hockey. Those charts are so cool. Like, he, he just he dives in but makes it very user and reader friendly and why the information is important. So make sure you're following Sean Tierney at Charting Hockey. We're going to get into some fantasy hockey talk with our resident, NHL.com fantasy writer, analyst. It's James Harding next on TSN Hockey Analytics. Here on TSN Hockey Analytics, TSN 1050 Toronto. I'm Andy McNamara. Subscribe and rate us on the iTunes. I don't know why I said the iTunes. Just iTunes is fine, I guess. iHeartRadio too. TSN 1050.ca show page. You can scroll down. Of course, we'll tweet out the links at TSN Analytics and at AndyMC81. There's a lot of talk about fantasy football, of course, right this time of the year. But fantasy hockey also heating up. I go now to the Domino's pizza delivery line and get yourself a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Check out all the great delivery and carryout deals at dominoes.ca. It's James Harding from NHL.com. James, how are you? I'm doing well, Andy. I got to say, I was in Atlanta earlier this week on a business trip, 
And I don't know how that's not a hockey city because it was 33 degrees when I was there. <laughs> oh. That's hockey weather to me. It is, but they have failed miserably twice there. I hope it's done. I know. I- <laughs> I know, I know, but I'm just saying. In the winter, it gets cold it, there. I did not. I see. I wouldn't have thought that. But uh, you're, you're a worldly man, and we appreciate the travel insight, brother. Thank you. Appreciate. Yeah, just watch out next time. Next time you're heading down there for a, for a Falcons Browns game. Yes, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, you know what? Let's get to some stock up, stock down. Stock up, stock down. There you go. And Stock Up, Stock Down is brought to you by Three Brewers Microbrewery restaurants all across the GTA. Hey, if you're looking for the perfect gift for the beer lover on your list, how about a Three Brewers gift card? Let them get what they want. Three Brewers gift card, great beer, great food, great times. Three Brewers Microbrewery restaurants. All right, James, let's get to some uh, Stock Up, Stock Down. Who are your Stock Up for either league play or your DFS DraftKings lineups? Yeah, my first stock up for the week heading up to Edmonton and Alex Chasen uh, from, from the Oilers uh, scored his 14th goal of the season in their 4-1 win against the Flyers on Friday. Uh, he has points in back-to-back games and in four of his last five overall. Uh, three goals, two assists, one on the power play, and uh, ten shots on goal in that span. Getting an unbelievably enviable opportunity skating on the first line there with both Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, uh, I heard they're both pretty good at hockey, and and so when you when you factor in that, and he's on the first power play with both of them, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and now Darnell Nurse, who's filling in for Oscar Kleffbaum, uh, Chase on is is very very hot right now in fantasy circles. Uh, he's scored an NHL career high already with his 14 goals and is on pace for an NHL career high in 50 points. Uh, his previous career high was only 35. Uh, he's only 16% owned in Yahoo leagues right now, so in over 80% of leagues he's av- available out there. Uh, he is only uh, right wing right now. Uh, if he adds any kind of a dual eligibility, that would boost his, his value even more. But for right now, as long as he maintains this position with McDavid and Dreisaitl, uh he really needs to be added in all league formats, especially given his recent body of work. Uh, and, and he's a great DFS sleeper for under $5,000 nice. right now where he is. Uh, so I'm, I'm definitely looking at him. And my other one for stock up this week, Andre Kasha from the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, skating on the first line out there with Getzloff and Pontus Auberg. Uh, 27% owned in Yahoo, so a little bit higher than uh, Jason. Uh, he had a hat-trick in their last game on Wednesday against Dallas with five shots on goal. He has two consecutive three-point games, and he has 14 points and four power play points in 15 games this season. Obviously, missed a lot of time with an injury at the beginning of the year, but with all the injuries that the Ducks have right now to their top six, recently losing Ricard Raquel on injured reserve now for an extended period of time. Kasha seems that he's going to get an extended look with Getzloff, and that was actually something that was predicted at the beginning of the season, that he was going to skate on that first line with Getzloff and Raquel. And so now he's getting an extended look there and is definitely seizing the opportunity and producing so far this season. So 
Uh, he is only 27% owned, like I said. So both of them available in more than 70% of Yahoo Fantasy Leagues. So uh, Chasen and Andre Kasha. I like it. Okay, so those are two guys. Stock up. Give me a couple stock down who we should avoid either in league or you know maybe, maybe a little overpriced on uh, daily DraftKings. Yeah, yeah. So uh, number one stock down right now uh, heading out to St. Louis. And, and we've talked about him earlier this season, and I'll bring him up again because his December – has just been miserable, and that's Vladimir Tarasenko. Uh, he had a four-game point outburst, a four-game point streak at the end of November, but is now pointless in six games so far here in December. Uh, he's top 15 in the NHL in shots on goal this season with 113, but is currently posting the worst shooting percentage of his career, only 8%, which is almost 5% lower than his career average of 127 uh, he has nine goals in 30 games this season, which puts him on pace for about 24 or 25, and that would be his first sub-30 goal season since his first full year, which was uh, 2013-2014. So uh, very, very underwhelming performance right now from Vladimir Tarasenko. There's been some rumblings that you know they might be looking to blow it up out there in, in St. Louis and start trading guys off. He has a big... Big salary and a, a lengthy contract still left, but he would definitely probably be the one that would bring back the most trade value. So it would be interesting to see if St. Louis flirted with trading him to, to somebody this season. That could immensely hmm. boost his fantasy value. But right now, his value is kind of tumbling for a guy who just a couple of years ago was a 40-goal scorer and now might not even break the 25-goal mark. And then my second uh, stock down of the week – a little surprising, and I might get some nasty tweets from people okay. up there in Toronto, Uh-oh. but it's Freddie Anderson. Oh! Oh, my. Um, yeah, yeah, I know. This is, this is a little controversial here for you, Eddie. <laughs> um, since November 21st, in his last nine games, a 330 goals against average and a 906 save percentage. Um, he is second in the, in the league with 17 wins and is tied ninth with a 925 save percentage. But he has not looked as sharp as he has recently that he did early in the season. He's allowed three goals or more in five of his past six starts, and he gave up six against Boston on December 8th. And then just the other night, he gave up four against the Lightning. Uh, he has five games in the next nine days, or the, the Leafs have five games in the next nine days, and none of them are really easy. Two against Florida, one against the Devils, the Rangers, and the the wings, so there are uh, tricky opponents, tricky matchups right there. So if I'm looking at that, I may be questioning, depending who else I have on my bench or where he's pressed in DFS, if I might look and play that matchup dependent. Hmm. And you can send your uh, your hate tweet, Maple Leaf fans, to at jharding underscore hockey <laughs> on Twitter, or of course your more pleasant NHL fantasy hockey questions. James does a great job of doing that. That was stuck up, stuck down. Brought to you by Three Brewers Micro Brewery Restaurants. Now you mentioned the Maple Leafs. How about this, James? This is interesting. William Nylander, of course, has rejoined the fold. Only two assists in four games. Where are you at when it comes to? Playing like picking him up if he's on waivers or slotting him into the lineup or in, in DFS. Like, what do you do with William Nylander now? Because we have to assume at some point he's going to kick it into gear. Yeah, I mean, when when you look at it over his past two seasons, he's averaged sixty-one points, nineteen power play points, 
and 194.5 shots on goal. So we know the kind of production that is there, but it's it's another step to say that maybe part of that production was tied to Austin Matthews, who he has not played with yet. Uh, you know, they haven't broken up that second line of Matthews, Kapanen, and Andreas Johnson just yet because that line is really clicking. And so I, I don't think that Mike Babcock really wants to mess with any of the chemistry that this team has developed right now. And when you look at what Nylander, where Nylander is in the lineup, he's playing with Kadri and Marlowe, and that's a very, very solid line. He played with Marlowe a lot with Matthews last season, so there is some familiarity there. But I, I agree, it's a little concerning right now that in four games so far, the output is only uh, two assists when he's been averaging more than 16 minutes of ice time in each of his past three games. So, uh, you know, it, I, I would say it like this. It's akin to a team acquiring a top six forward at the deadline and him needing a few games to get kind of up to speed with them. You know, he hasn't played a, a, a meaningful NHL game in eight months, and now you expect that he just steps onto the ice and puts up the numbers. I think he's going to. I think he's just trying to get back into, uh, you know, into his ways. I'm not too down on him just yet. If this continues for another month or so, that's going to be the more troubling story. But I think once we start getting into January and maybe if they start switching up the lineup and bump him back up to playing with Austin Matthews or even give him a shot maybe on the line with Tavares and, and Marner, which would be just an unbelievable setup right there. Uh, I think that the the production history is there, that there's nothing to be worried about right now. So, But as for right now, as far as putting him into the lineup on the regular or into DraftKings contest, we're parking him right now, right? We're not, we're not, he, he's going to have to show a little bit first, yeah? In, in season long, I would put him in every night no matter what, okay. unless you know, you're, you're down on him. I'm not putting him in DFS lineups just yet until I see him start going. Gotcha. Beautiful stuff, buddy. And again, you can follow for NHL Fantasy Hockey content and ask him your fantasy hockey questions at jharding underscore hockey. James, great stuff, buddy. Let's do it again next week. Let's do it, buddy. Thank you. All right. James Harding from NHL.com, their terrific fantasy analyst. Folks, the return. It, we've teased it. It's happening. He's back. Scott Cullen of The Athletic, one of the founding fathers of TSN Hockey Analytics, a day oneer, returns after the break on TSN 1050. Looking to chow down during the big game? Well, Domino's has you covered. Feed that hunger with a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. But Domino's is more than just pizza. Add on side dishes like delicious pasta and boneless chicken. For dessert, you need to try the marbled cookie brownie. Whether you're watching sports with friends, need a fresh, quick meal for the family, or just because, make it a Domino's night. Order now at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca. up another edition of TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. You can get us on iTunes, subscribe and rate us there to TSN 1050.ca show page. Of course, we will put the link up on Twitter at TSN Analytics and we are delivered by Domino's. Don't forget, get a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99. Check out all the great deals and specials at Domino's.ca. That's Domino's.ca. Now, 
special guest joining me on the Domino's delivery line. He deserves his own entrance music. Here we go. I'm best. Yes. <laughs> the man. One of the founding fathers of TSN Hockey Analytics has returned. It is Scott Cullen of The Athletic. Scotty, my goodness. It has been too, I just picture you coming out from the, the curtain and, and Jim Ross saying, My God, it's Scott Cullen. How are you, buddy? There you go. I, I'm bringing my steel chair to the ring, Andy. <laughs> He's got the steel chair. He's wheeling it all around. Nobody is safe. Scotty, of course, a real pleasure having you back, brother. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing well. Well, you know what? Hey, let's get on this show over the years. We've had that. We looked at the best and worst performers of the week. It's been one of the the favorite segments for our listeners throughout the year. So let's get right to it and let's get to your best performers. We'll go three best, three worst, and we're going to start with Elias Patterson. That's right, and uh, this certainly wouldn't be the first week that we could uh, point to him, but uh, he has 11 points during a five-game point streak, leads all rookies with 33 points in 28 games. The one concern, um, if you're looking forward, he's scoring on almost 27% of his shots, and that's not going to last. No. You know, he, um, no matter how great a shooter you are, that's really not something that you can count on uh, for an entire season. Nevertheless, uh, he's the one who drives the – uh, the offense for the Canucks and gives them a, a fighting chance. And they're 3 0 1 in their, in their past four, thanks in large part to, uh, to his production. Number two on the best list, who do you got? Andre Kasha from Anaheim. Uh, was a breakout kind of candidate coming into the season, but then suffered a concussion in preseason, so he kind of got a late start. Uh, but he's on a roll right now. Uh, in just in the two games this week, he had four goals and two assists and a 72% Corsi, so he's really dominating the uh, territorial play as well. Uh, he's up to 14 points in 15 games this year. And the thing that I'm uh, encouraged about with Kasha is no matter where they move him in the lineup, I mean, they've, they have him... Uh, basically lines one through four, depending on the night. Um, but he's generating 3.4 shots per game. Um, so that if he continues to do that, you have some reason to expect that the goals will uh, continue. And so, you know, he, he scored 20 goals last year. Uh, you could very easily see him uh, surpass that this season, uh, given um, kind of the level of production he, he's at so far. Controlling play to the extreme. Okay. And number three, for our best of the week, we go to San Jose. Timo Meyer uh, having a breakout season, and not not to say this is entirely unexpected because um, in his first kind of season and a half uh, in the National Hockey League, Meyer had, had been a guy who generated shots in, in limited ice time, but you know hadn't put up big numbers. Well, the numbers are coming now, and and so he he's up. He's generating three point three shots per game, uh, and with six points in three games this week, he's up to 32 points in 30 games on the season. And, you know, he had, he had a career high, you know, 21 goals and 36 points last year. Uh, he's going to be passing that, you know, within the next week or two. Uh, and, you know, really uh, a huge breakout performance uh, for the Sharks forward. And, you know, he was, he was a high first round pick. So this, this doesn't come unexpectedly, uh, but you can kind of say he, he's right on time with where expectations were. So those are the best of the week, and as we know, Scotty, those are always good, but the most fun are the worst, <laughs> right? And we got three of the worst of the week. We're starting with a pretty big name here, Tyler Sagan. That's right, and, and some of this is, look, when, when, I, when I'm going to name the worst, I want to use relative values of worst because uh, I can find some fourth-line guys who are pretty consistent <laughs> performers at this level. But right. Tyler Sagan uh, has one assist in his past five games, uh, and this week, 
uh, on for 38% of the shot attempts, 37% of the scoring chances. That is, that is not typical Tyler Sagan work. You know, even, even if the scoring might fluctuate from, from week to week, usually Sagan uh, controls play a whole lot better than that. And, and this is, you know, that's a problem for Dallas when the, the number one center is getting outshot the way, the way he was this past week. So Sagan, and I think that's, that's a good point. It's, it's relative because we expect more out of Sagan when he puts up those numbers, which might be fine for a fourth-line guy. That's where we get into, hey, we expect more out of guys, right? Yes, we, we're, we're not mad at you, Tyler Sagan. Yes. We're just disappointed. Exactly, which is always much worse. Uh, number two, Mike Matheson in Florida. That's right, and, and Matheson obviously plays a big role on, on the Panthers' blue line. Uh, but in three games this week, the, the Panthers have been outscored 7 nothing with Matheson on the ice at 5-on-5. Five five. Um, his Corsi and scoring chances uh, hanging around 41%. Uh, obviously, that's not uh, that's not good enough for somebody who's playing big minutes. Now, last night against Minnesota, uh, he only played uh, a little over 18 minutes. That's the second time all season that he's played fewer than 19 minutes. So uh, this may be a, a case of the Panthers realizing that uh, they might need to cut back on, on their Mike Matheson for the time being. And the final one, it's a Maple Leaf. Scotty, who's your, who's right. your, who's your worst of the week We're on the Toronto Maple Leafs? We're staying local with Connor Brown. Uh, we can go back further than just this week. He has well, two assists yeah. in his past 16 games, uh, so that's pretty rough. Uh, but just in, in the past week, we're looking at a, a Corsi under 43%, under uh, just over 32% of the scoring chances. And, and, you know, for a Maple Leafs team that generally um, does pretty well offensively to have so little production from Brown, even if, even if he's playing a, a third-line role, I know he moved up, uh, when Zach Hyman was suspended, like there are some opportunities there for Connor Brown, even if um, you know he he's not the guy who has big expectations in that lineup. Uh, you do expect more than two assists in 16 games, and you would like him uh, to be coming a little bit better than one of every three scoring chances when he's on the ice. So, um, you know, uh, a rare worst for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yes, especially after the season they've had so far. All right, that was best and worst of the weekend conversation with Scott Cullen of The Athletic on Twitter at by Scott Cullen. Now, Scotty, you got a great article up here. Fantasy owners sell high article that's been out on The Athletic and getting a lot of traction out there. Can you give us a couple of, of sell high options that you like in the, for, for people in fantasy hockey league play? Sure, and you know what? I'll give you the, the headliner because he, he made me look so good the day that I posted <laughs> the article. Uh, Alex Ovechkin. Um, yeah. And now the principles remain the same. Uh, the reason that I would uh, consider selling Alex Ovechkin, he, I mean, he's had an awesome start this season, 25 goals. And, uh, you, you know, you, given his track record, it's not like you think, well, he, he's not going to score anymore. But here's, here's why you consider selling Alex Ovechkin. He's shooting better than 21% on the season. Alex Ovechkin, for as great as he's been, an all-time great scorer, typically he scores on 12%, 13% of his shots. And right now it's at 21%. So odds are that's coming down. And you know, so that's, that's the one aspect. The other aspect is he's not generating shots the way he always says. That's the reason that Ovechkin has been such a great scorer, is he's always been able to generate a high volume of shots. And this year he's not. He's under four shots on goal per game. The only season in which he, he's generated fewer shots per game um, was the Dale Hunter year, you know, the the okay. one where everybody wondered whether Alex Ovechkin was no longer an elite player because, you know, they, they put the shackles on him. Well, they, they haven't put the shackles on him in Washington, but he's just not generating shots the way he uh, typically does. And so all of this is to say 
Alex Ovechkin is still going to be in the hunt for the Rocket Richard this year. Like, given this start, there's almost no way that, that he won't be. But don't expect this pace to continue. Like, he's on pace for like 65, 66 goals. Uh, he's probably going to end up around the 50-goal the range, which means um, you know if you can find somebody who wants to pay you for Ovechkin's production to this point, uh, you can get some value. Uh, another one who, who I think can, uh, can be shopped is Max Domi. Um, okay. Off to a terrific start in Montreal, uh, but he's got percentages tilting in his favor. You know, in his in his career in Arizona, his on ice shooting percentage was uh, a little over nine percent, which is pretty good. Uh, you know, usually reflective of a guy who's playing with skilled players. This year in Montreal, it's over thirteen percent, and you know, basically there just aren't guys who last the entire entire season with an on ice shooting percentage over thirteen percent. Austin Matthews uh, was. The, the leader in the league last year at 12.7%, uh, and William Nylander was the only other player over 12%. And, and so you have to realize that you know, as great as Domi is, the odds are that on-ice shooting percentage is going to come, come down and maybe come down substantially. So if you can find somebody who, who thinks Max Domi is a legit point-per-game guy, um, Get him. capitalize on that value and sell. Yeah, well, it, and that's always the... The tricky part, and I love when you get tweets, especially you know, for me, fantasy football and stuff, right? With the, the trade angles and people seeing over under value that type of thing. Uh, you got a couple Maple Leafs on the list too, right? Mitch Marner and uh, Morgan Riley. Riley, I want to get your thought on Morgan Riley, Scotty, because the defensemen always seem to be the trickiest part because it depends on how the league's set up. You know, if you're getting points for block shots or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Morgan Riley at a sell high point, you could probably get a real hefty return right now for him. Well, that, that's exactly the point with Riley. Like, Riley is one of the most valuable players in fantasy. So, so saying, saying to sell Morgan Riley isn't about, oh, dump Morgan Riley for whatever you can get. This is, you sell Morgan Riley because you should be able to get a ton in return. Right. Okay, like he's over a point per game. Again, he has the high on ice shooting percentage, over 13%. And so that's likely to come down. Um, but basically what you're looking at is a guy who had 52 points last year, even if he has a big... Uh, jump this year and ends up with say 70 points or 72 points or something like that well he's on pace for 85 now so mm-hmm. if, if you kind of you know take advantage of the fact that as great as Riley has been and as productive as he's been to this point you've accumulated those points for your fantasy team already um, you know if you sell off and, and and get real good value in return well then that's you know that that's a way to kind of keep keep your production through the second half of the season this is and also like I kind of have to keep reiterating is when I have I have these significant players like Riley and Marner on here. It's not suggesting that they aren't going to have good seasons, but like a guy like Marner, Marner's on pace for like 113 points or something. Like <laughs> he could have a 95 point season and it would still be a really great year, you know. And so so that's sort of what we're looking at here is some of these guys who have really high percentages going in their favor. Um, you know, it might be time to get out while the getting's good. Yeah, and then shore up another place on your team. Absolutely. Exactly. And if anybody has any fantasy hockey questions, of course, you can hit up Scotty on Twitter at by Scott Cullen and make sure you check out all his great work at The Athletic. Scotty, great having you back, buddy. Let's do it again soon. Sounds good. Thanks a lot, Andy. There he goes. One of the best. My fave, Scott Cullen from The Athletic. Again, one of the founding fathers. A day oneer of TSN Hockey Analytics as we are in Season 5 of this fine program. Well, that'll do it, folks. Thank you so much for listening. For producer Aradis Vandy, I'm Andy McNamara. You've been listening to TSN Hockey Analytics on TSN 1050 Toronto. Looking to chow down during the big game? Well, Domino's has you covered. Feed that hunger with a large four-topping pizza for just $12.99 
But Domino's is more than just pizza. Add on side dishes like delicious pasta and boneless chicken. For dessert, you need to try the marbled cookie brownie. Whether you're watching sports with friends, need a fresh, quick meal for the family, or just because, make it a Domino's night. Order now at dominoes.ca. That's dominoes.ca.